Hey, so you're you're kind of one of these funny jugglers. I think you're 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 one of these jugglers that's one of the one of the best artists that nobody knows about somehow. I don't know. You have these pieces that are really iconic and I don't think um the kind of arc of your your body of work is very clear to anyone, maybe even including myself. But sometimes you'll just pop something out and it would just be completely genius. I remember we went to Japan, just me and you. What, what year was that? 2007 or 8 or 9? I don't know. The first one was 06. Second one was 12. Yeah, so I'm talking about 06. And then it was like, hey, Eric, do something with some clubs. And then you just, you did this three club routine I still talk about to this day, which you don't remember and we don't have a video of. And you never did it again. But it was, yeah, one of my favorite three club routines three club routines I've ever seen. And um, I wanted to ask you about your work, basically, because you have this super weird <laughs> process from what I know, that you have these kind of iconic, this, this um, trilogy in one way, <laughs> like this trilogy of pieces that kind of follow on one from the other in this really strange relationship. And uh, yeah, I don't know. So I just wanted to ask you, um, what's what's your process like and what's your work like and if you can kind of describe um the evolution of those pieces uh for me because i want to yeah i want to try to understand better what you're doing yeah sure no we can do that i think the first thing i would say is i don't know if there are pieces in terms of kind of the general understanding of the word because it's more like i discovered these techniques with juggling objects and like doing juggling, but I never really crystallized them to like, this is the piece. But you do do performances with those techniques. And I have seen you kind <clears throat> of distill those techniques down into performances that are, I mean, sure. Repeatable. <laughs> sure. But it, they change a little bit and yeah, but there, there is an essence and like, I can certainly talk about that and, I mean, I can just be more clear and say there's, I'm just thinking about your head rolls with balls. That was kind of the first thing. And then came something about, I don't know if it was clubs next, I think, with the chin swings. And then somewhere in there was cigar boxes, which didn't really stick around like the other things. And then you did the rings. And I was there in your house in Schleppdeo, at your mom's house, when you made the rings, the first discovery of the ring thing. And um and then now with your, your work with like the sculptural wood stuff that you, you started off calling ghost cubes and you have various forms of those now. So there is some sort of weird lineage of these pieces. And that's kind of like your body of work as a juggler, which is really weird compared to other people. I mean, definitely compared to me or Wes or Tony or Pat or Emil or whoever, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. So how, how in the world did you end up like this? <laughs> yeah, I think <clears throat> perhaps I'm um some things are easier for me and some things like I'm I'm less interested in or it's harder for me like I I do I do think that I'm I'm really a just a big fan of of researching juggling like I have a big in interest in that but when I when I make findings like they they don't intrigue me for very long so I tend to move on before before I, you know, kind of crystallize it into like a set piece, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, and and yeah, I I mean I can always like the stuff still exists. I perhaps it's just that I haven't done those pieces yet, but the techniques they exist. 
I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I know one of the biggest flaws of my work, looking back on it for myself, I think is I would make something and it was so fun to make something new that I would do it once and then just be like, oh, what's the next new thing? Instead of going back and editing and getting older now, I've been trying to struggle with this idea of editing. Like I've been working on this show with Frodo, Captain Frodo for the past year and a half, and it's just been a constant editing. That's something I never really did before. I mean, of course, me and you have done it before on our projects, but not to the depth of like a year and a half process. And maybe that's a little bit what you're talking about. But I think one thing, can I get you to tell the story that you told me? And if you don't tell it, I'll, maybe I can tell it um, a little bit about your start as a juggler into this idea of your reflections on circus school. You were telling me some story one time about, you know, hey, I went to circus school and at first it was crazy. There was just a school and then it was crazy. The next year there was a teacher and it was crazy the next year that the teacher was a juggler and it was crazy the next, like you had this, you were kind of in that era. And I think that's getting into um, some context for the comments you've already said about this idea about being inter- interested in investigating juggling because you had kind of a weird, again, I would say a very unique start into juggling. You were skateboarding and whatever else. And then you you were right on the cusp of this new circus school thing. And that had to have a big influence on it right and you yeah to... yeah i mean it's kind of funny that you bring that up i'd kind of forgotten about that but the per- uh, one person who talks a lot about that is remy larusini he uh, talks about the autodidact generation of jugglers like i think if i'm gonna remember who they are it's like him and stefan singh and you and mintam and uh there's that, that, that then there's a bunch of like forgotten three ball legends i think he also include them I, I forget their names now well they're forgotten yeah they're forgotten <laughs> no but, but but one thing about the really quick about the autodidact which i think yeah. is funny which means self-taught by the yeah. way like yeah. you're, you're you didn't go to school um is that became full circle because everybody was autodidact basically and then came the rise of the circus schools in europe especially and that the, the that produced these generations of performers in this culture of, for example, Cirque du Demain, right? Like you graduate school and then you go to this circus festival and, and compete or show your work, your graduation piece normally, right? Somehow like that, you can generalize. And then the funny thing was a couple of years ago, it was like, oh man, did you see so-and-so there in autodidact? They were in Cirque du Demain. It became trendy to not be educated. Like that's been such a crazy evolution. That must be for you just insane to see that circle because you were at the beginning of the non-autodidact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so like just a little bit of circus school history, perhaps. I mean, the 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 school in France, Knack, that had been around since I think, 80, is it 84? I think they started. It had a couple of different versions of it of it there in the beginning, I think. But I think it's 84. And then for a long time, that was one of the only schools. But then around around the year 2000, it started to pop up a lot of circus schools in Europe. And one of the first ones was the one in Stockholm. That is now SKH. That used to be known as DOC. That before DOC was known as Circus. Dance, no, Dance as Ox Circus Hukuskolen. That is the... Yeah, but then it was called DOC after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe... Yeah, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe there was a version like that well the first <laughs> version was circus piloterna the circus pilots and that's the school that i went to from 1999 to 2003 
So at that point, there was at that time there was no establishment really in in my world of what a circus school was because there had been one class before me, but they were only there for one year, and I think half of that year they spent doing a creation. So there was no establishment in terms of like, oh yeah, you go to circus school and then you do this, and when you get out you do this. So so when I went to circus school, like you were reminiscing there from my story that I say oh there's a circus school oh there's a teacher because at first there was just a school and I could go into a room that was the circus school and practice there and that was crazy for you that which was, like, was crazy was, for me. <laughs> yeah there's <laughs> and then you know one day a teacher showed up and taught you something and that was crazy and then eventually you had a teacher and that teacher taught you juggling yeah and that was you know, insane. The next step, yeah, the next year. I mean, yeah. like you said, you were there for a few years and it was like the second year. Oh, now the teacher's a juggler, actually. Wow. Yeah. It's a valuable thing. So, so yeah, that was, that was really crazy. And just to yeah. say the reflection on that you, that you told me when you, you spoke about that before was the cyclical nature of that in relationship to nowadays, you have the graduating student who goes back as the teacher. Right. That, that was the kind of end of your, your arc there of mm-hmm. saying like, Hey, when circus school started, it was enough. There was a school, let alone a class, let alone a teacher, let alone a teacher in your discipline. And nowadays you have a teacher in your discipline that graduated from that school itself. It kind of completes the cycle of that evolution. Um, And then like just to just to extrapolate on and connect back, then now we have the autodidact (laughs) into this sort of circus evolution of the school with the student who graduated being the own the teacher in the school, which is a cycle back to this idea of like, man, and that's so cool. They didn't even go to school. <laughs> like, yeah. so it's this weird si- circle like that you've been around for the process of. Yeah, so maybe I'm some kind of in-between person in between the autodidact and the well, circus school student. Because- I mean, the fact that you went to the school and that was crazy because what you said was cool. Now you said, you know, before the school is established that this is what a school is and that this is what a school does and this is what you do at a school. That means that right now, um, you know, it's built into the the culture uh, that, oh man, if I go to circus school, I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. You have that, that kind of in your head before you go. But since that wasn't established back when you went to school, what in, what in the world were you thinking when you're like, man, there's a school, I can go to this room and juggle. So what did you think you were gonna do in school? Yeah, I, I just thought that it, there would be utility in, in getting into a room and just practice every day. And I also understood that there would be utility in having classmates that were also perhaps, you know, trying things and but can stuff I, like that. Yeah. But can I ask, I mean, were you, weren't you already getting in a room and practicing every day? Or was that something that the school enabled you to do? No, I mean, I... I was in the north of Sweden and there was no... I didn't have a practice space. I either practice in the backyard or I would I would quite often I would go to like a table tennis uh, club and I'd figure out when they were practicing and it, it was a pretty big room so you could stand in the corner there when they were practicing table tennis so that was like a little training hall uh, it was in this big sports complex there was a basketball court and there was a bunch of like rooms for designated sports and you try to find the room where no one was that no one was using at the moment, so you kind of shift around. So that used to be my like practice space. But why did you th- and why did you think that cl- 
classmates would give you? Did you know or you just had a feeling like, man, if I had classmates, that's going to be good for something? Well, I had one or two friends in the little town where I grew up that juggled. And that was certainly, you know, like you could. You who, know, was, who was that? Uh, that was one friend whose name is Eric also. And another guy who was nicknamed The Thumb mm. because he had broken his thumb so many times. And I also knew one juggler called Douglas Magnusson, who is still around the scene. Yeah, man. He's in Stockholm. Yeah. yeah. And Gothenburg. He, he lives in Gothenburg now. So I knew of him because I had been to one juggling convention in 1998. So then... So Where was that? In Stockholm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And was Douglas in your class? Yeah. What, is, he the, is he the one with the quote, I want to juggle crazy? Is that the thing from him? Do you remember? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. Okay. You don't remember that? Okay. Yeah, but so I had, you know, I had a very limited experience of of just the exchange in between jugglers, but I knew that there was value there. Sure. So I think that's what I was thinking, like, oh, I'll go to a jug uh, to a circus school. There'll be other jugglers there, and I'll have a place place to practice. Okay, yeah, that makes that sense. That was kind of it for me. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty clear. I yeah. mean, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, yeah, trying to connect this to the, to the research later on. I mean, I pretty, pretty early on, I had the idea in my mind that I wanted to create juggling that was unique to me. Why? <laughs> Where does that come from? I don't know. Like, I think I had a interest in just exploration. Like, you know, oh, you learned this trick, you learned that, and you met someone who invented something and... Because you learned pretty late. Yeah, I was 14 years old when I learned how to juggle. Yeah, it's not crazy late, but it's not. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, it's kind of normal, maybe. Right. Um, but uh, but from the beginning, you had that curiosity? Or? Nah, I mean, then I was, I was really into skateboarding until I was probably 18, something like that. So the juggling thing when I was 14, that was just a side... Yeah, that was really just a side oh, thing okay. from the skateboarding. I'd seen that film Caught Clean with Sean McKinney and... Levin Fiedis. Yeah, exactly, by um, Invisible Skateboards. So they did some juggling in a skateboard film. And I really just connected the two. And it's just like, okay, well, they're doing tricks on skateboards and tricks in juggling. So it was just the same to me. And then juggling had a little bit of an advantage to skateboarding because... You could just do it in your room or yeah. it was a little but bit did you have that? did you have any curiosity with your skateboarding then to like find new tricks or? Sure, sure. Okay. But, but skateboarding, I think the creativity there, sure, you can, you know, find new tricks like flips and stuff like that. You can invent things. But I think the creativity is more uh, situated in terms of where you put those tricks because it's something you do in an environment like i'm gonna do you know a 360 flip down this set of stairs yeah and i remember like in caught clean so i'm not a skateboarder yeah. but i remember kind of one of the the moments in caught clean or caught clean 2 was you know simon woodstock with his stuffed animal he had a, a business suit made out of stuffed animals that had been sewn together you know and he rides a skateboard and falls into a bush or something right and that was kind of, for me, a creative mind or a creative moment of just like, man, that was insane and, and new and wacky and innovative. But in terms of technique of the skateboard itself, he, well, he just rode the, he just, he just rolled on, on the sidewalk. I don't know. Right. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah, so I think in juggling, like, it, it's it's pretty much, it's very focused in terms of, like, invention and, and in coming up with new things. It's very focused on, like, tricks, patterns, or practice sequences or transitions. Like, it's, it's very distinct there. Whereas in skateboarding, it's a little bit more... Um, I don't know. It could be about the environment. There's so many aspects mm. to creativity mm. there. It's not as distinct. Mm. Like it could be about, you know, how you go into something. It could be, oh, well, that curb was a little bit higher than a usual curb. So then that gave some certain I th- opportunity. I, I love that idea for juggling. Like, oh man, you're doing your three club back crosses next to the church, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> you're, you're doing your three club back crosses. Yeah. Down next to the bus stop. Right. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I guess Sean McKinney explored that a little bit, right? With his sure. street juggling. and For sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You you can certainly pl- perhaps place juggling in, in something similar, but yeah. But but yeah, there's there's a slight cha- uh, difference I think th- there for just the nature of creativity in juggling versus the nature of creativity in skateboarding. I hear you. Yeah. But I anyways back to the juggling like I wanted I knew that I wanted to create new juggling. That's what I was what I thought was fun was to explore creativity and invention. It's just what I enjoyed and also I think I wanted this, you know, to kind of put myself as as uh it's something about identity i think that you know i invented this and you 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 establish an an identity of yourself through the activity that you're engaging in yeah so i think that's that's kind of the foundation of that uh and in the beginning of course is very you know harmless things that you do with the juggling Mm. oh you did the throw in some little changed way or something but i but then when i had the i had the dick franco's book three ball digest and it taught the head roll and i had seen bobby may do the head roll and there was something about that that i was just like okay that is a very nice trick i'd like to learn that dan menendez too i had seen in 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 coughlin yeah he does the three ball I mean, while you're saying that, I have yeah. to say this right now because you're talking about um, Sean McKinney and you're talking about the Three Ball Digest. And I just have to tell you the the story about Sean McKinney when he blew my mind. And I, you know, I was hanging out with Pat McGuire and Brian Patz and <laughs> all these people of that generation. Sean Blue, we were all of that generation. This would have been about 1991. And Sean McKinney came to us one day and he said, and, and Pat, Pat McGuire, you know, he won juniors. And the IJA uh, 91 St. Louis with his, and he was doing a lot of head rolls and then he bounced uh, balls and threw them into a big trash can or whatever. But um, he was doing these head rolls. And then uh, at the time, I really remember it was like, okay, you have to learn every trick, both sides, like both hands. Like if you can't only do back crosses with your dominant hand, that's not okay. You got to learn both sides and everything was symmetrical. And it was very much about the skill and the legitimacy of, of your all around, like you're going to do balls, rings and clubs and all this. And then one day Sean McKinney came and Pat was there jamming his head rolls. And, you know, I was trying to do head rolls and I still can't do them today. And, and Sean was just like, and we were like, Hey man, you, you doing your head rolls? And Sean's like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't do head rolls. We're like, what? You, like, you like kind of like shaming, you know, like you're a loser. Like what? Come on. You can't do again, like back crosses with your right hand or left hand or whatever. And Sean goes, 
No, I tried head rolls and uh, they just not for me. Like it wasn't for my body and like my body didn't work just easily into the head roll movement. And so I just decided to work and focus on the stuff I was good at. <laughs> and we were just, we just, it literally blew my mind that you could kind of have that approach to the, to, to juggling. And that just stuck with me ever since. Selective. Yeah. I was like, and, but he, what he said was actually like, I just decided to stick with the stuff that was like personal to me that I was personally good at. And I was like, what? Like just completely revolutionized, like what was important, you know, in the culture. So anyway, that was just three ball digest. I also had the three ball digest from Dick Franco and I tried, you know, to struggle to learn the head roll consistently and just it, it's not for me. Mm. I can be Sean McKinney about it finally and be liberated and say it's not my trick. But, but you learned it, I guess. I mean, you learned I it. I learned it. I <laughs> learned it. And also, that's around the time when I came to Stockholm and I saw Mintam and Niklas Stureberg. And... That's when you went to circus school, you saw Yeah, that's, that's when I came in that's cool. 99. And I saw them. And, and then, and also, I think I, some, somewhere around there, I must have had the Pam Maguire IGA. Is it ninety two? Ninety one. With when he when he has the yellow balls. Oh yeah, I think so. Or well ninety well ninety two was when McKinney Sean Sean was winning, and then I did I did oh, teams maybe with it Pat is Maguire. Well, ninety one's when he won. Okay. Yeah. yeah then it has to be ninety one because yeah. that, that's uh, that's also a clear reference. So. So there was not just the head roll, it was also these patterns where you kind of do a 4-2-3 using just temple placements. So there's not an actual roll, but you place one ball on one temple, you make a throw, and then you put the third ball on the other temple. So there's that switch between those two, and that creates a pattern. And then that that can be mixed up with, with rolls too, of course. And now after, you know... In, Investi- I did an investigation to the origins of those, all those patterns, and I'm pretty confident that Pat McGuire is the originator of those patterns. Yeah, I think so too. But I was exposed to that when I came to Stockholm around 1999 through those tapes and through a few jugglers. What was like Mentom and Nicholas, were they doing that for two Yeah, they yeah. were. Yeah. yeah, I think Pat started all that, man. Yeah, it's crazy. And also, like pretty soon after, I think I saw some Jérôme Thomas tape. And yeah, with Martin Schwitzke exactly. and Philippe Menard. So there, and and there was there was a lot of jugglers around that time that that was kind of exploring that stuff. So right. So, but yeah, origin is is Pat McGuire. And as I, my kind of the the idea that I had then was just like, okay, there's you know four or five of these patterns that utilize head rolls or temple placements in different ways. I really like those. So how about if I learn everything that there is out there, which at the time was, like I said, four to five patterns, Mm. maybe I can in that process then discover some things that are unique to me. And at the same time you were doing that, were you also learning all the shower patterns and all the yes yeah yes. okay it wasn't just like i'm just gonna do head rolls now no no this was no, just no. all yeah it was one branch of of what i'm bunch was of stuff trying to were, do with yeah. juggling but it was definitely uh something that i was very interesting it was you know at the top of the list gotcha it was but it was that thought like okay if i learn everything that exists i should be able to 
invent variations of my own. That was kind of the approach. And did any of this have to do with anything you were learning in school or this was kind of no. what you were just picking up in the, in the world? No, this was all just yeah. how I was looking at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll say one thing though about juggling at the time. I was, I think there, 1999, 1998, I'll see what you think about this, but there is some shift in juggling where juggling goes from, you look at juggling as individual tricks with names, like, yeah. oh, you know, the Mills mess and the back crosses and the Dave's dilemma. <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly there's a shift to where you look, where we look at juggling more from the perspective of variations of concepts like, oh, side swaps. It's variations of the same concept, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you do the back cross shoulder throw under the arm combination. Mm-hmm. Well, I can do the back cross under the arm under the leg combination. It's it's not like we name the first one Steve's uh, symbiosis and the other one, you know, Mark's uh, mechanics. Oh, okay. Or whatever. Yeah, mechanics. Okay, good. Right? So, <laughs> so there's that shift in juggling that for me took place around that time. Can, I, can we side note and like, can we just make a note to say we should figure out who started this alliteration naming thing of like Rubenstein's Revenge and Mike's Mechanics and... Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that can't be... I mean, I know the Mills Mess story. Yeah. Which is that Steve was trying to teach that pattern uh, to people at the, I believe it's Santa Barbara convention. And then... He, I don't know if he was bad at teaching it or the people that was trying to learn it were unsuccessful, but either way, it was not a success. This workshop or this little session that they were having. So there was no name to the trick, but people were saying like, oh, it's all a mess. I, you know, I can't learn it. It's just a mess. Hmm. So it became Mill's mess. Great. So now we have a point. And if we can predate that Santa Barbara convention with an alliterated name, then we have another data point for our historical timeline of a alliterated name true true but i don't know how much you remember about the three ball digest book but the names in that book they're very weird yeah i remember or from the perspective of of looking at things like mark's mechanics and uh, steve's symbiosis yeah they're like the tricks are called like one between the two yeah they have names like that that sound very yeah archaic yes yeah eccentric yeah yeah so maybe there's something there uh but maybe santa barbara is the origin of this alliteration maybe it's possible sorry back to the (laughs) i think also (laughs) i have one historical reference and that is you know the the three ball fake or yo-yo yo-yo yeah fake columns yeah fake columns yeah that's I have a, from a magic magazine, I think it's about 1902, 1903. Mm. There's a description of, of Cinquevalli doing that trick. And mm. they call it ball clinging. Ball clinging. Like that the ball yeah. is clinging, clinging to, to the, the other, other ball. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know ball clinging? And there you go. So, that's probably the earliest that I've seen a juggling trick being named like that. But I, no, it's a great observation. Like you say, they started to become more conceptual as opposed to more specific. It was, it was, uh, oh, you're doing four, four, one with the, with the first four as a penguin catch. There you go. Instead of, yeah. And then you have all the variations of penguin catches inside of four, four, one, as opposed to, yeah, these, these discrete names for every individual 
a conglomeration or collection of throws. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll say that in terms of like this idea of, of exploring head rolls in this way, did it come from me alone? Yes, it did. But that was a change that was taking place in the juggling community. That's cool. No, that around me. Hey, tell, tell me, so this is related to that. I think that's a great point, but the, the broken down the future juggling. Yeah. Because that's kind of this. And what year was that? You have to say what that is. Uh, I'm gonna, but what I'm gonna say it's 1992, yeah. something like that. I have that written down, but I, I'm pretty sure, sure, sure it's 1992. But what was the? What is the? So the idea there is that in Knack they were doing, and they. So it's Jörg Müller, and I think uh, Andre Didier Andre and. Thierry André, I think it's it's around that group of jugglers. Yeah, Didier André and Thierry Didier André. André yeah, yeah. And Thierry André. And they were exploring juggling together with the teacher. Tim Roberts. There you go. Yeah. And at some point, they found this pattern, which is... Okay, so let's see if we can describe this yeah. in speech. So you have <laughs> two balls in one hand and one ball in the other. Were they even balls or clubs? It doesn't matter. You, but you told me the story with clubs. Just I say. think it was clubs. Yeah, but Pretty we sure can do the description clubs. with balls. Yeah. <laughs> to just describe the pattern. Yeah. So you throw from the hand that holds two balls. And yeah, you just throw, throw a ball to the other hand. And you don't throw the ball that, that's already in that there's hand. There's no you exchange. Just, there's you no just exchange. Catch. You just catch it. Yeah. And then you're done with that. And then from the same hand that had two balls that now only has one ball left, you throw that ball straight up and catch it again with the same hand. And then you repeat that sequence. You repeat it on the other side. On the other side. And that's the pattern. And that straight up and down catch then could be any sort of throw. Yeah, any of the throws could be any sorts of throws. Uh, Yeah, yeah. But yeah. 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 So they... Uh, Tim Roberts and this this group of juggers, the students, they started to refer to this pattern as the future of juggling. Hmm. Because I think if I've understood it right, it's that what they, because they weren't very technical jugglers, but since this pattern was so easy, it was very easy for them to explore the different types of variations of that pattern. Right, and that's why this came to my mind. That's what you're yeah. talking about that's happening in 98, 99 in your world. Yeah. You're conceptualizing technique in these ways. Right. And this this future of juggling, I mean, I call it broken down juggling, where the rhythm I call isn't forced, but broken down and isn't forced is like, it's not technical language that anybody knows what I'm saying, except yeah. maybe you. Right. And, you know. <laughs> um, no, but I broken down juggling, that's definitely the term that I learned but and then just it's... and then just to be more clear, so that crossing throw from one hand to the other could be behind the back, and then the 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 throw that goes back to the same hand, the second throw could be on the leg. It could be anything, right? Yeah, and they and then of course the next realization is that they don't even have to be throws; they could be manipulations. So instead of doing that throw that goes back to the same hand, you can just do a thumb twirl or. Right. Something. And you have all the time in the world because there's no object in the air forcing the next move. The rhythm is broken. Exactly. It's just uh, whatever you want it to be. Yeah. So in one way, I, like I do think they, it was the future of juggling yeah. in, in some regard. For sure. Um, okay, cool. But that's another conceptualization of technique. And that's what you were talking about, about the time you're doing the head rolls. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it took me, it didn't take me very long until I started to find new patterns of my own. Hmm. Uh, 
so Pat McGuire had two. I mean, now it kind of sucks to talk about this because we don't have a visual, but let's just say there was two patterns. There was three patterns that existed, two that Pat McGuire did and one that Villevalo from Finland did. Well, it's this is a juggling conversation, so you can you can be easy with your description. I mean, okay. we, we, we're going to know what you're saying. But basically, by looking <laughs> at those patterns, I realized that there was three more patterns. That were missing. That were missing. Okay. Kind of... So that, so you saw some commonality between those two patterns they were doing. And it was like, oh, that's a family of exactly. patterns. And they're missing. Exactly. There's three missing. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So then I was just like, oh, yeah, there's the six patterns. And that's yeah, like yeah. the foundation. So then I had six patterns. That's pretty crazy. And then with all those patterns, I knew that any throw that's in any of these patterns could be exchanged for a shoulder throw or for a back cross or yeah. for whatever I wanted. So very quickly, I could accumulate a lot of patterns based on the base six. But let's just, just be clear. This future of juggling story from, from Kanak, that you learned, you didn't know that back then. You learned this. I right? didn't know the story, but that pattern was known to me quite early. And I got it definitely from either Maxime Komaro or Denis Pommier. Okay. Um, and it, it doesn't matter who, who, who but, gave it to me because they were both but did showing that, me stuff like that. But did so. that influence you when you did the head rolls then? And you're like, oh, this could be a shoulder throw or an under the leg or a um, behind the back. And it would still you know, the pattern would remain intact in terms of the... I don't think that that pattern specifically. Yeah. I mean, the other thing, this is maybe a funny reference to you, but I also remember Christian Vanwijk when he popped in on the scene mm. that he had a tape of Benji from Mark and Benji. Absolutely. And in that tape, there's this some kind of uh, little show they do when he was still in school in Esak. Yeah, Benji and he's doing the you know with clubs you do back cross shoulder throw back, yeah. back cross shoulder throw in like circularly right and that I mean it's it's weird to talk about that now because it seems like a such a standard thing but that was like a revolution oh yeah back then. I remember that yeah yeah it was just like oh my gosh you could do it like yeah, that it and is. then yeah and then that you could do that on the other side and kind of shift from side to side. It was, again, this conceptualization of juggling rather than looking at it as, as individual mm -hmm. tricks. Yeah. It's a network. It's not islands, you know? <laughs> right. That's what it is. It's a yeah. network. It's yeah. a web. Okay, cool. So that was kind of in the air. Uh, yeah, it was all in the air. So this, mm. this idea of, oh, you can exchange the, show, the throw for a back cross or for, a, you know... A, elbow placement or whatever you want that was very much established in the community mm. through you know mm. yeah mm. everybody was doing that around around then so that was not something that i had to crack on my own okay but um well, but that's pretty cool you got those six base patterns and you made variations of those patterns yeah and then of course you with the six the six base paths patterns they only contain uh, placements there's no head roll in them there's they're just placements so then if you add the dimension of rolling a ball you get another uh six and are these base patterns and and those rolling base patterns are they uh like on peapock peapock headache or are they yeah yeah, yeah they're okay. all there yeah they're all there i don't know i forget what structure they're presented in on that video but yeah 
yeah, they're all there. And they're they're probably connected more or less. Okay. And then of course, like it also depends on what's the juggling lang- language for the amount of of throws in a in a pattern. Period. Yeah, exactly, the yeah. period. So if you if you extend the period instead of right. doing, you know, three throws, you do right. five. Right. Then of course, yeah. you can and in you start to get into this this land of of when does something oh, go from being a pattern to a sequence yeah you know? a trick to a sequence or a yeah. pattern to a tr- a trick to a pattern a pattern to a sequence yeah so but yeah but in terms of like counting how many tricks did you have i think it depends on how long of a period you allow myself to okay to include did you have some rule about that at the time or it was just uh, I want. I was very conservative about it. <laughs> right. I don't. I did not count. You know, period. I mean, period four. Absolutely not, because then it's not gonna. It's not gonna be. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Repeat and on the other p- side. Period five. I. I don't think I counted that as a pattern. Really. Hmm. To me, that was an extension. Hmm. Okay. Or a combination of two of two patterns gotcha gotcha but but anyways pretty soon i had you know lots and lots of patterns and Hmm. yeah for anybody who wants who's interested they can look at the peapot headache i think most of it is in there Hmm. it might be on my youtube i have no idea what's on there right now but i i uploaded a bunch of uh, peapot stuff there so maybe it's there maybe it's there maybe it's not (laughs) um so yeah that was the head roll and of course since I had such a, you know, in my in my opinion, like I was very happy about that discovery, like it was very fruitful to me. So then, of course, pretty soon I was like, okay, what if I didn't invent the head placement, the temple placement, and I didn't invent the head roll? Yeah. What if I invented kind of the embryo technique that the this family of tricks is all based on i could do the same research but on another embryo that was a really nice transition if i would have let you just go into that but there's one thing i'm gonna derail (laughs) i'm gonna derail your train of thought because now i get it about these placement patterns base patterns and then with the placements and then adding the rolling you expand that to another six base patterns but you had a whole thing about multiplex and head roll stuff too yeah was that, that i just have to ask was that related to those six base patterns where did that come from oh yeah that's that's uh that's definitely related and that has kind of a funny little story that's super archaic okay. by to today's standards because this is before the internet yeah this is before i mean we had vhs tapes not even dvds when yeah. i was doing this research yeah so every tape you had you know you valued in gold yeah and the the what should i how should i say the the chance that there was someone on any of the tapes the few tapes that you had that did anything that was head roll related, you know, it was very small chance. Right. So, right. So how we went back then was that I heard a rumor about a juggler in Spain mm-hmm. who could take two balls mm-hmm. and throw them and catch both of them on his temple. Oh. And I'm pretty sure that this story was about a juggler called iris uh-huh. iris Correo, that he funny. could take two balls funny and throw them and catch both of them on the side of his head and i was just like oh man that's cool 
And since I had this approach that I should learn everything that's within this kind of framework of head stuff mm. so that I can come up with variations of my own, I should, of course, learn this too. But to th- it was impossible. I was using silicone balls. It was impossible to throw two balls and catch them on, on the head. Side <laughs> of my head. That's but you true. actually tried that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tried to like shape my chin using my tongue from the inside of my mouth to kind of get a cavity and can i say about that yeah yeah yeah. because the first reference i had was somebody with multiple uh like balls on the side of the head was ben tolpin he was doing juniors and i think he was was he coached by clockwork i'm sorry if i get this wrong it was i think it was by clockwork i think so jack calvin and rick rubenstein helped him but he did this thing where he was doing like a little comedy act but it blew my mind i have to say where he was doing some head rolls with with one silicone, and then he placed um, like a second one, like one on the temple and one on the ear. They can sit there if you just like place them, like you know, mm-hmm. on his head. But then the third one he placed on his cheek. But then he had taken his index finger and poked like from underneath his 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 one cheek and stuck his tongue out the other cheek as if his finger had poked through his his face. But then the ball would balance on the on his tongue. And he could have three on the side of his head. And I remember just losing my mind. He's got all three balls on the side of his head. Like it was, yeah. it was crazy to see that back then. And can you imagine like that being crazy to see these days? I mean, mm. that's where juggling was at at the yeah. time. Yeah, totally. So I can really imagine you like trying to shape your mouth and your, oh, with yeah. your tongue and, and whatever. Yeah. And so what happened was that it didn't work out. And okay. I was just like, well, I'm just going to make it work, you know? So instead of throwing the balls there, yeah. I tried to place the balls. Uh, but since the balls, they didn't want to stay there. Yeah. Uh, one ball always kept rolling down. And so, one stayed. And one stayed. Yeah. So then I was just like, well, I'm going to make that into a technique. That's a trick. Yeah. That's a trick. <laughs> That's a trick. So then, and of course, you can take three balls and place three balls on the side of your head and two balls roll down and, and one, one stay stays. on the temple. Yeah. So then a whole kind of, yeah, that branched out that direction. And you can take, and for each idea like that, I always had six or 12 base patterns that each new idea could be applied onto and just... Uh, duplicate and, and just that six and twelve that's about like left and right with crossed arm variations or what's yeah the, yeah yeah oh, two sides of the head it's like right hand places on right hand temple yeah right hand places on left temple yep right hand places over the head to the others gotcha like that's the three and then you just the symmetrical to the to the left side and yeah, that's your six patterns exactly. and you and the combinations thereof of symmetrical and asymmetrical combinations yeah. of those yeah. um but then the so the multiplex stuff that that um did you expand that how many balls did i go top? was that still just three you did five no 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 five, six, six up to six i think yeah. i even had a seven ball pattern oh, yeah. at some point yeah, yeah 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 maybe i couldn't do that one but that that and because you can get up to a lot of balls pretty quickly because if you can place three balls you can also put multiplexes any ball that you throw from your yeah. hand could be a multiplex. Yes. So if you imagine you place three balls and you throw a triplex or even yeah. a quadplex, you can probably get up Max to... Max it out, yeah. Yeah, eight, nine balls. But so that, that trick where the Idris was doing with the yeah. two balls, did you ever figure out what that was? No. You never I've asked seen, him or... No, I've seen... I never met him. I've seen, I've seen pictures of him where I think he has three balls. 
He's just on there on oh. the side, and they just sit there. Oh, cool. But I, I don't know what huh. that is or... That's funny. But, I, yeah, I mean, everybody's head, head is shaped differently. I guess he can put three balls there. I've seen I'm, people also do pyramids on the side of their head. Yeah, the pyramid thing for sure. Yeah. But I just mean intuitively, do you think that's a trick that he actually did, or do you think that's just a misinterpretation that you heard and then you oh i think now i think it's a misinterpretation yeah. i do not think he threw two balls and caught them maybe he threw two balls and caught one on his head and one in the other hand people possible. do that all the time yeah, yeah. that's yeah. possible yeah um well that's but, super yeah. fun we should yeah. we should try to ask him one day like yeah two balls to the head that's a good that's a good myth yeah but that's really cool then that you you misinterpreted it but then turned it into a whole thing and added it to your system i mean Right. Because I really remember those multiplexes. That was that was really uh, something that stuck out for me when I first saw your, your head roll stuff, mm. for sure. So cool. So then you got all that head roll stuff. And then back to the story, which was <laughs> really nice transition that you had where you said, well, I didn't invent, you know, placing a ball in the head. That was a Pat McGuire joint. Uh, so what if I made that cur- that initial kernel or that initial uh, piece of technique, that concept, that yeah specific uh, move? to investigate and apply the same process. Right. But I really wonder, um, so that that's like a really clear next step. I mean, it's very concrete and, um, and, and yeah. And, but I wonder when you did that head roll stuff, then did you reflect it all on that process of like, was it just mechanical? Like, well, hmm, right hand on right side, right hand on left side, right hand on left side, the long way, et cetera. Like, was it just a pure kind of like mechanical or did you have a bit more of a nuanced, uh, I don't know, creative process about how to investigate that. Uh, it was pretty, pretty, it was pretty dry. Yeah. I mean, Denis Pommier came to the school every once in a while and he was, he had the very dry approach to research of juggling. And he also gave lectures at the 531 festival that were, I mean, so dry that a lot of jugglers, I think, were opposed to them because it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, there is sometimes, I don't know how how potent that is in juggling today, but back in those days, it was like, if you, if you approach juggling too, like, scientifically, there would always be a number of people who, who were against that somehow. It wasn't emotional, it wasn't artistic, it wasn't, maybe that's gone, I don't know if that's gone, but... There's definitely a romantic connection to the culture and the images and kind of the the history surrounding juggling the the world history of the yeah. the, the connections to society that that, that right. ju- juggling is an archaic maybe you know out like a fringe activity that kind of represents some sort of anarchy and maybe some sort of uh, counterculture right and then maybe the scientific uh, rigidness or or um stripping it of its uh yeah it, it it's it's emotional impact or I don't know something like that that there's a resistance um you know tricks only come from the heart man they don't come from a piece of paper yeah like, like exactly Anthony, like Anthony I mean said. the the moment that sticks out <laughs> in my mind is that Denis Pommier he came to the five three one festival and he did all the variations of crossed and uncrossed arms in cascade and reverse cascade mm-hmm. I forget how many there are but it's like thirty or something like that you like you reverse cascade with the one hand and normal and then one hand crosses and blah 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 sure sure so he just did all of those and it took a good while you know and i remember a lot of the young jugglers were just like 
that was a bunch of crap. Yeah, on the bu- like, the bus on the way back, yeah. there were some jugglers being like, "That was not a you know." Yeah, how are you audience not gonna see a difference between you know yeah, pattern that- thirty two and thirty three and yeah, that was just ugly patterns and blah blah blah. So, right. I I did not have that. I was just like, well, it was just an exploration. Of course, you can do the editing after. You do selection after. Okay. It, to me, that was not a hard. Had, but thing by to that crack. point, had you made? I mean, before you jumped to the club mm-hmm. thing, I mean, had you made then some sort of editing or selection of your head roll stuff? I had. I mean, I had. Um, if I, you know, when I wanted to make a piece, of course, like there was patterns that I thought were better than others. Okay. So of course I wanted to do those and you had to make some kind of composition. So did you end up making some sort of like graduation act with that material or? Yeah, I did. I had a couple of pieces. I mean, I did one in 2001 Hmm. that was for the five, three, one festival. And then I did, and I think that's probably the routine that's in the end of headache. Okay. Like, close to the end of that film i think that routine is there and then in 2002 i made another i made another act with head rolls because i was in a show uh, called virus were you were you in a school show where they made you shave your head no because that was the outside they they made two shows <laughs> okay one was an outside show and one was an inside show and the outside show had to shave their head the outside show had all had to shave their head that's so circus school man <laughs> that's so circus school yeah and but the inside show we did not have that requirement so i kept my hair so then i made a new routine <laughs> and then for my graduation gotcha. i just did a ball act but it was certainly had a lot of head roll stuff in okay it. okay no, I just I was just curious because, like you said initially, you know, uh, at the start of this conversation, that you maybe never really distilled down these technique, technical explorations into some sort of succinct or like more uh, iconic uh, statement about, you know, performing them or whatever. Like, but, yeah, but I, I, mean, I I can say a couple of things about that. I think that was kind of a hard, like I was so into juggling, you know, I was so interested in skateboarding and magic and juggling. And it was such an emotional experience for me to see juggling and to see skateboarding. I mean, I remember one of the you know most visceral experiences of my life is I was in Cologne with my parents, uh, with my family, when probably in like 88 or 89. And we were in this restaurant that was pretty high up in a building that was, and the, the windows were overlooking this big square. Mm. And there was people skateboarding on the square. And one guy had taken a shopping cart and he ollied over the shopping cart and i was just like i was so blown away man like i could not i could not fathom what i saw Mm -hmm. and i often had that reaction to juggling and to skateboarding and magic like card when i started to learn card tricks i was so blown away man (laughs) and i always thought that i mean it took me many many years to understand that not everybody's going to have this reaction when they see the stuff. Gotcha. And with the head roll stuff, I was still figuring that out. I think I was so blown away myself that you could do all these things with placing balls on the head. I mean, when I saw Dan Menendez in Carl Clean, yeah. juggling three balls and doing a head roll at the same time, I was like, I was speechless, man. Yeah. So when I started to learn some of these things myself, I was just like, to me, it was just a, 
given that if you would string a bunch of this stuff together into like a sequence, you'd blow people's mind, man. I mean, it's funny you say that because I distinctly remember the first time I saw your head roll performance. I mean, yeah. with the combination of the techniques and it was in Loft Tet yeah. and it was a it was a corporate event and the other performers that night was the boy band acrobats oh that performance, that performance. i remember that and yeah. i remember you went up and you did this ball thing and i i didn't feel like crying it wasn't like i was gonna cry because i was so overwhelmed yeah. but i was i was freaking out i was just like no way look at, oh no way i couldn't believe what i was seeing mm. i mean this is the cutting edge of the most craziest coolest stuff ever and I totally remember the audience being vaguely confused. Yeah. And I was so, and I was then confused. I'm just like, what's going on? Like these people, like, don't you see what I'm like? Are we watching the same thing? And then after you got done and I just didn't know what to do with myself, I didn't know what to say or to clap or I just sat there just like, I didn't know what to do literally. And then these three acrobats <laughs> came on and there was like a boy band theme. And then the audience kind of, uh, you know, perked up or like came up, not they didn't like come alive. It was some random corporate event, but they definitely were just like, oh, okay, now we can, now we know what we're watching. Like now we know we can watch this or something. Uh, it was a weird switch in the, and end. then it, the one guy broke his arm. Well, yeah, that's the, that's the other, <laughs> that's the other end of the story, which is that, uh, the, that after their first flip or something, the dude's bone was sticking out of his arm. So that was, uh, uh <laughs> that was maybe not the good ending but i do remember the audience not really connecting to you and being in this sea of i was standing in the middle of this crowd crowd of people just being like what is eric doing <laughs> like this is crazy yeah. and so that's kind of funny that you from your side too you had that kind of interior relationship of just like man these these variations of variations of variations yeah. are fascinating and you were starting to uncover that oh wait a second maybe in this certain context um and that's, you know, just to reflect back what we were talking about with folk circus, that's what I'm saying. The format or genre of folk circus, I think, allows room for those variations of variations to become important. I mean, it is all context, right? It's just it's just context and and the right thing for the right place and the expectations and whatever. And you were just at this corporate event and it wasn't the the ideal meeting of... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely <yeah. laughs> so anyway <laughs> so yeah that was kind of a that was kind of a harsh reality from me because that was also around the time when i started to perform like more regularly like i was still in school yeah, but yeah, totally. there was these corporate events that i was getting you know hired to do pretty regularly and in my mind, I was just like, well, I'm going to do my head roll shit because totally. that stuff kicks ass. Totally, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, I I, I mean, I'm not going to say that every time I did it, people hated it. No, I, no, had, no, no, no. I had some success with it, but it was not the internal, it was not a reflection of what I felt internally about, you know, variations of details of juggling. Yeah. So. That's so, funny. So on the one hand, like, I had this exploration, but it was... At the same time as as I had this pretty hard clash with you know just the reality of show business and and performing. But don't take this the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. that seems to be the, the a through line throughout your career. Because that a harsh thing is that that's the, I don't mean that in a negative way, but I just mean that you you um you you've had you've had a very strong uh, relationship to your own material like with a lot of integrity and a lot of, of uh, strength from your side. And I think sometimes you, you definitely struggle to place your work out in the world. Like, 
like later on too. Oh, for sure, for sure. I mean, as I, do I. I'm not. It's not just you. No, 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 you no, no. To, I, but. I do think that's a very accurate uh, observation. I do think that the thing that has changed for me is that rather than being like confused about like, hey, why am I not, you know, on TV every day with this, <laughs> with this stuff right. or whatever, right? Rather, it's that it's been exchanged for like, okay, I've done this exploration now and these are my findings that I find interesting for, you know, reason mm. X, Y, Z. Yeah. So what am I going to do with that? Am I going to still like, that's the work. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to show. Yeah. And I'm going to take that clash again because that's what I do. <laughs> or am I going to try to, you know, well, that's why I bring it create up. something else that doesn't, that's, this isn't like that. Well, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's why I brought it up is because now we're going to get into the clubs. Yeah. And I just wondered, like, because this, this, this process, what you're just talking about now of fitting your work out into the world, it already started to be the those uh, those experiences already started with the balls oh so, yeah so when you when you made the clubs did you take that into consideration at all or you were just like nope i'm just going to have this artistic exploration and that's going to be the it is what it is and, and or did you um i mean i think i had those experiences and i don't think i was it, it hadn't dawned on me to such a you know it wasn't concrete yeah. for me. Like totally. I was just like, well, like performing isn't so easy <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> or sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Right, and, right. And it was also, you know, like there was just so much that was going on in my life. It wasn't just like I was working on the head roll stuff and trying to perform. I mean, it was totally. just this tiny little branch. Yeah, you had a company and you had, had other things going on. Exactly. I mean, yeah, so, yeah. so it wasn't like... It was not a life or death situation, but go. it definitely, yeah. when I sat down and thought about it, I definitely had to evaluate every time. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to spend my time on? Right on. Yeah. And, and like I was doing these other companies and I was doing, you know, like other types of performing that, you know, brought me various kinds of successes. And then it's like, okay, well, should I, so should I focus on this stuff instead? Yeah. But then it's like, well, I like the exploration of juggling. Right. So that's what I'm going to do. And if it's a hobby or if it's a profession, like, mm. or it takes, you know, 15 years to figure out or whatever. It's just like, well, that's what I'm interested in. So that's what I'm going to do. Wow. Yeah. Um, well, then when you, when you started with that club to find that core component, mm -hmm. was that hard to, like, how long was that process to find the chin swing? Uh, that was... Uh, it's two or seven months. It's either or. I'm pretty sure it's two months. It can't be seven. I don't know. I've tried to do similar processes with yeah. stuff like that, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, it, it's a couple of months, and it's it was just like I was because the okay. So now we're at the at the the chin swing stuff. So since I had the that those findings with the head rolls and balls, I was like, well, I should do something with clubs if I want to do something conceptually different hmm. so then i should find also that embryo yeah for myself and not take something that already exists yeah you, like like the embryo with clubs that's like the embryo of the ball stuff is the placement on the head so yeah well, instead of a placement on the head with clubs or yeah what would that original 
Yeah, the starting point B. Exactly. So how many? Do you, so was it just like a numbers game? Like I'm gonna make ten starting points today and ten starting points tomorrow, and it's two months, or was it just like cr- just cracking your head against the wall until you found one, which was the chin swing? That's what I really want to know. Yeah, well, there's a there's a Sakari Menista story here that's kind of funny because I had seen Sakari do something with clubs and in my mind like it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen and in my mind it was two clubs that were yeah you told me that were uh moving in different directions in different layers kind of thing yeah yeah and then i met sakari and i'm like hey man that thing you do with clubs like in different in different layers in the in the same you know vision in the same uh, vision that like I look at you and I see two clubs but they're just in different layers that's so cool and he was just like what are you talking about yeah, yeah. Like, no but you have that trick like it's your best trick and he's like <laughs> I don't have any anything like that yeah and I'm like no but you do and like I forget where I met him and we were talking about this and he was just like he he he's such a nice guy. I mean, he even like ran like parts of his act for mm, me because mm. we were trying to see like what was the thing like that, that I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. And like we just couldn't find it, and I was just like, well, I guess I have to make it then. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first embryo. It was gonna be clubs that moved in different planes. You're kind of talking like in the wall plane. Yeah. Where they pass each other almost, but without hitting. Uh, exactly. Like a scissor, a scissor kind of cutting yeah i don't know like yeah a, like exactly x, scissors yeah like exactly an x, scissors. x action yeah so one is just slightly behind the other one so yeah. they can they can flip so i was i was trying to do that for a good month man. gotcha but there was just like i i just couldn't find anything okay that's funny uh maybe there was something else too i mean i had we had done explorations i mean another like denis pommier you know dry exploration that would make people crazy was he would you know take a juggling object and you just move from the top of your body down to your toes yeah yeah yeah. and you'd like okay find all the places where you can have this object yeah i mean it's very straightforward yeah yeah but like a lot of people would just die in of that kind of stuff you yeah, know yeah, yeah and for me i was just like well you just have to do it once yeah yeah no absolutely and then you're done like it wasn't a big deal to me yeah. So I was doing stuff like that, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe that's I don't I don't remember exactly how I found that position. But you take a club and you have the knob under your chin, and then the handle goes kind of diagonally back so that the the body of the club rests on your on your shoulder. In what year was that? It must have been two thousand and seven or eight. Because the funny thing is, in two thousand and one or two thousand even two thousand. Yeah. I did the opposite position, which is where if you, because when I first saw you do that, I just remembered I had, I was like, oh, I did the opposite of that. So if you just stand up straight and you'd like look your head up to the ceiling, so the back of your head is tilted back and you put the knob under the, in the middle of your neck Mm. and the club is sticking out along your shoulders. So the fat bald is over your shoulder to the front. There's like a hook there. Yeah. It's like the opposite hook. (laughs) Yeah. And I had forgotten about it. I did it in Turku circus school. But you also did the swing we found later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was in... Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. But getting to that. But I just mean yeah. I did the opposite position and I forgot about it. Mm. I was in Turku. And then I saw you do the chin swings and I was like, oh, yeah, I used to do the opposite of that. And I remembered the neck, the neck one, the neck one. Yeah. But yeah, I had done the... Yeah, the... the yeah, the, well, whatever. I don't remember what year I did the chin swing. 
You have it on video. It's in one of your shows. Yeah, like, yeah, for brick, sure. It's on YouTube if you want to brick wall in the background. If you want to go look at like five hundred videos and find it, yeah. but um, no, but your your chin swing is you swing and catch it on the other shoulder. That's your right. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I also, I like, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, mention two things about it that I think are important. Like the one is that, yes, I could catch it on the other shoulder, so you just switch from side to side. And that made it directly translatable from the head roll. Oh, that's funny. So all the head roll patterns, could, I could just immediately just translate them to clubs. I have to give a credit for my chin swing. I remember now, you know, Frank Olivier's trick. Yeah, with the mouth. And I thought that was gross because he's putting the knobs in his mouth like so he puts the knob in his mouth and then the yeah. chub, the club swings down like a pendulum to the other side yeah and he has like a little half shower like that yeah and i was like that is so cool and that is so disgusting that he's putting the knobs in his mouth and it looks disgusting and i was like maybe i can hook it under my chin and then i just did a swing to the other mm-hmm. hand to try to copy frank olivier and not make it like disgusting yeah <laughs> i should definitely re- refer to frank olivier too because i had seen that he does it in call clean yeah so i was aware of that swing too yeah, yeah. yeah. but you just weren't thinking of it at the time <laughs> I, I think i was I'm I, th- I think i was <laughs> okay yeah. gotcha so, gotcha so yeah okay but yeah so that, that's funny i never thought that your i never thought about your kernel or the, this chin swing embryo or molecule yeah as being directly kind of related to the head roll from you know left and right kind of swinging from oh, side yeah. to side where you your head is swinging side to side with the head roll the club is swinging side to side and the chin swing oh that's weird so then yeah you... all the four two three variations with balls are directly translatable because you can just place clubs like that gotcha yeah was that something you were looking for in your embryo? no oh, okay that was not intentional from the beginning but as soon as i found the position and i thought about the swing and yeah and yeah i i totally recall now i was thinking about frank olivier gotcha like oh i have that position well can i swing it like frank olivier did <laughs> okay you know? okay and it was very difficult from the beginning but yeah, yeah it took some some months and then I could do it quite uh, automatically. But the other thing that I want to say is that yeah. I was also very specific about how I placed the club. Like I had to slide it down to the knob in my hand in a very specific way and put two fingers behind the knob. Mm. And then it worked very uh, automatically. Yeah, and consistently. You could consistently yeah. and, and uh, swiftly. And if I wouldn't have detailed the technique like that Hmm. it would have not have been possible Hmm. i remember you struggled with that i mean didn't you also modify your clubs a lot to get the right knobs and the right i mean yeah the knobs i modified but that came later yeah uh because because then i started to hook but there's another well there's a couple of questions about the clubs i mean i know you maybe have more to say about it but i'm gonna anyway lead uh, Mm -hmm. a couple funny things about it i mean number one is uh you just didn't show anybody. <laughs> like, that was crazy. <laughs> what was that about? So, like, all I know is, like, oh, where's Eric? Oh, no, Eric hasn't really been around very much. Or or you were around, but you were just not doing your head rolls or something. I don't know. And then out of nowhere, you came up with these club chin swings. And we were just, everybody was just fell over because it was so advanced and so well thought out there was it was not like the first steps in the investigation it was the end of the investigation and you had kept it secret for how long months or years or something crazy i don't know what were you doing yeah i mean i was i think i was i think i wanted to you know have peace and quiet when i was doing the research 
And I also had, I mean, there was, it was a jogging community, you know, people were borrowing freely from each other (laughs) and I wasn't always so into that. So then I was just like, well, I'm going to research this on my own until I feel like, you know, I've, I've gotten far enough to kind of, but how long did you hold on to that stuff? At least six months. Was it a couple of years? No, it was not a couple of years, but it was probably a year. Yeah. At least dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. But was that hard to do? Because that's very unusual for a juggling culture. I mean, as soon as you find a new chick, you're going to go show your friend. (laughs) No, but no, it was not hard for me because I was really thinking about like just impact on the juggling community and like Mm. thinking about like, okay, how can I, you know, make something that kind of maybe it was again, like thoughts about like, performing something that has impact or something hmm. that uh that's pretty cool and that's a little bit different than the head rolls maybe or was that a new step or did the head rolls have some i mean i remember some people doing your head roll stuff at the same time and i had kind of a problem more of a problem with that maybe than you did but um was that a reaction to any of that stuff with the head rolls that was just a new thing that like... i i think it was i wasn't too like I wasn't too into, you know, like when you've just discovered a new trick and then you see someone immediately. Yeah. <laughs> kind of taking you just think, well, man, I just, you know, I wasn't really done with that. <laughs> I think I felt a little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, and I also felt like if I have this new stuff with the, with the chin swings, if I push it far enough, if then some person wants to try to rip me off, they're going to be so far behind, you know? I mean, that's kind of reminds me of the letter that Michael Motion wrote, the open letter he wrote yeah. the one year when he was doing the cylinders. And he wrote it to the IJA and was just like, hey, I made this new thing. And once you see it, it's going to be really easy to copy yeah. or, or for you to do yourself, I think he said. not He didn't say copy, but yeah. he said, please give me the time and space to at least finish it. Right. So that's kind of what related to what you're saying now. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. I might have had some specific performance in mind too. Mm. Were you at that performance in that small theater pedal in 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 Stockholm when I did the thing with the saxophone player? No. Okay. Because I had a performance in a theater, but I don't know how far in advance I had that. Yeah. But I remember I had. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna premiere the piece there, and okay. a lot of the judges came to that theater. That's hilarious. That's another like step in, in like I'm gonna do these head rolls because they're so hardcore and cool. Yeah. Um, and like, oh, I got this show in a small theater. Like, I'm gonna debut my club chin swing out there. Like, that's. Gonna... <laughs> I totally did. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's so funny. Like, it's the same. But but when you when you made the so when you made that embryo was like your process confirmed of like yeah it was even better when I made the core technique you know well kind of but then of course then I was just like I have to do one more thing to do proof of concept yeah and that's when the rings come in oh, oh hold on hold on yeah yeah no so so basically you made the you did the ball research and you're like hey this went well and you said hey what if I did this same research but with a original component. And then you made that with the clubs and you say, hey, that worked out, but I'm not entirely convinced yet. I have to do one more iteration uh, on the process to confirm. Yeah, maybe I just got lucky or something. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so the, the the chin swings weren't convincing as a process yet. I was pretty convinced, I'll say that. But then I was just also like, well, the three standard objects for juggling is both clubs and rings, so I should do rings. 
But didn't you do cigar boxes in there in the middle before rings? I think actually cigar boxes that probably started even before the clubs. Oh, okay. But they were, I mean, I understand that you think that they're related to this stuff. And if, well, it, no, it no, no, is, no, no. no if I think of your body of work, I go, well, Eric did balls, rings and clubs, which is also just hilarious as a like juggling artist bodies of yeah. work. Like you're so like, I did balls, I did clubs, I did rings. Like one thing with yeah. each, you know, whereas like me, you know, I have like 57 three club routines in my life because, you know, I didn't, you know, that's just how I rolled. And, and, and then you're just like, nope, I got the head rolls. I got the chin swings. I got the ring. Uh, I'll let you reveal what that is in a little bit. But then you also did cigar boxes that were pretty iconic with the wrist traps. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it is different than these things, but it is different for you. I mean, the cigar boxes was a little bit different because that came from another, I mean, there were other thoughts that were kind of the, the origin to that research because cigar boxes, it was something I did when I was younger. So I had like the basic technique of, you know, takeouts and stuff like that. It was just, I guess it was just hard for me to do cigar boxes. And then it was, you know, this home position, the three in a row. I just didn't like it as a, just what it looked like. And mm. it was so obvious to me also that cigar boxes, they're blocks that there you should be doing shapes and and it should be three dimensional, not two dimensional. Mm. So that one I actually remember. I wrote down really clearly, and I remember also thinking cigar boxes, cigar boxes, they're so hard to to do. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I want to not do home position. I want it to be three dimensional. Wow. I want it to be low technique. <laughs> I want to do shapes and I want to do numbers. Wow. Those were the, the, the foundation to all of that stuff. And I had seen Ryuhan and Sebas do like a few things that are like shape. Uh, you know, the Ryuhan, he does that circle of boxes. Yeah, yeah. So there was that shape. And I think there was one or two other things that were kind of like shape-ish huh. rather than like but How many times can I swing my arm around? But again, I... the main the main uh, visual element of the cigar box stuff you did was the wrist trap. So it which kind of relates to me to the head roll, the multiplex head rolls, and the chin swings, and it's just an, it's like another kind of iconic, like singular technical exploration. Yeah, and it's directly related to the list that I gave. It's it's related to the home position and low technique. Because I was thinking, like, I don't like this home position, mm. the three in a row thing, that you have to go in between that for each thing. Yeah. And I also didn't like when you got into, the, you nailed your home position, and then but one box was a little bit crooked, and I had done a little bit of four. And when you have your home yeah, position yeah. with four boxes, and your one box is a little bit off, you just fucked. Then you, yeah. you know, judges, they go down on the ground and they fix so, it. They straighten them up, yeah. They straighten them up and, and, they, and they go up again. And I was just like, I couldn't take that. <laughs> I was just like, that's incredibly stupid. Okay. So, so I was just like, I got to fix this. I, there's got to be a way to fix this home position without kneeling down on the ground. Oh, okay. So that's when I came up with the wrist trap. Wow. Because then you can fix it just with the wrist trap. Would you say that this process of observation of sitting down and saying, oh, I, I can do cigar boxes, but I don't like X, Y, and Z home position and it should be mm -hmm. three-dimensional. So I'm going to write down this list of qualities that I'm going to investigate. Yeah. Was that something that was happening around you with other jugglers that, and 
at the time, that seems pretty far out. I don't know. It was not, but at the same time, I was doing a lot of improvisation, like dance improvisation and also like juggling improvisation. And that came from, uh, that came from Niklas Studeberg, a lot of that. Okay. And instead of just improvising freely, you would, you would instead, you, you dictate a certain framework and that you wanted to improvise within that framework. It could be a theme, it could be an image, okay. it could be a list of qualities. I'm going to move really fast, or I'm going to do a lot of, you know, kneeling down, or whatever you wanted, right? So we had done a lot of stuff like that. Huh. So I was pretty used to this method of just writing down the qualities that I wanted, or writing down, narrowing down, instead of just being free to do whatever I want, if you're going to improvise or if you're going to explore, it is much more effective to be like, no, I'm going to narrow it down to this. And you can start with just a free improvisation. You just improvise freely and you film it. And this was, you know, around when video cameras were just starting to become accessible to people. Mm. And you look at it and you go, oh, that looked cool. That looked cool. And that looked cool. Well, what was cool? You write down those, that on the list. Those and qualities. You, those, those qualities. qualities. And you make set up another improvisation and you just do those things, right? Mm -hmm. So I had done a lot of that with, with just movement and, and, and juggling. Mm. So yeah, so do, to do a list like this with specifically what I was interested in, that was not outlandish for me. Okay. Yeah. And that was, but you said that's before the clubs or, or same time? Or? Yeah, yeah, that was definitely, I mean, I worked with Niklas Studeberg, that was 2003, 2004, 2005. Hmm. So yeah, that was all before this okay. stuff. And also just to say that, that's, that's another thing that I think is somehow related to all of this. So I was in Stockholm, there wasn't much circus shows there. But when I was in circus school, like the first year, there is a dance theater in Stockholm. There's a theater that specifically just programs dance shows. And someone that was in some position at the school knew someone that was in some position at this dance theater. So we had free tickets to every show. <laughs> so during my first like years of circus school, like I I went to saw I went to see contemporary dance, you know, like Mom at least once a week, you know, I saw, and I saw Sanka Yoko and Kullberg Ballet and Ohadna Harin and, and also like, since I was used to collecting juggling films and skateboard films, like I immediately started to collect, you know, uh, contemporary dance, La La La, Human Steps, DV8, yeah. uh, Ultima Ves, like all the contemporary dance stuff, I was into that. Hmm. Uh, around that time and 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 they were you know and then you heard a little bit about what was you know going on in that world in terms of improvisation and hmm. creation so i had influences from that makes more sense then you weren't just alone hanging no, out with jugglers not at and all. you weren't just alone hanging out with nobody no. there, there was a culture you were kind of jumping into sometimes that there were elements of that there Certainly. And I mean, if, if anybody wants to see your cigar box stuff, I mean, Oscar Renger, he filmed it in the, called The Room. Yeah. If somebody wants to track that down, good luck to <laughs> see that. But yeah, you can see the cigar boxes there, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, then did you learn anything new from the club process or you're just like, oh, I did it. And then, and then you wanted to confirm it with the rings. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think what I did with the club stuff 
is that I articulated a lot of the stuff that I had been doing intuitively with the head rolls. There you go, yeah. But now, since I had to repeat it, I had to go back and be like, oh, what did I do really? So I did start to write it down there. And I mean, one of the most useful things as a method of exploring juggling is was just to cheat. If you had an idea that wasn't working out, you just find a way to do it and you cheat conceptually. And that was the thing with the two balls. I couldn't put two balls on the side of my head, so I'll just put one and the other one can roll down. I'll just cheat. <laughs> That's great. And that was incredibly fruitful with both the chins, chins off and the, and the ring things later on. Okay. Yeah. Well, so then, so when you went to set out to do the same process with, with rings, which was to find a new embryo, yeah. a new molecule, building block, whatever, yeah. um, were you any wiser than when you started with clubs or it was still hit or miss? I think that one went pretty quickly and I was pretty, I felt a bit lazy because I chose another concept that also had to do with the head. Yeah. I mean, so I now, remember being in the house when you first did it and I, you were just like, Hey, I found the thing. And I was like, what? And then you showed me and I'm like, really? And you're like, no, it's going to be cool. And it, it is super cool. Yeah. I remember seeing it the first time and being like, well, that's not going to work. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, love, I, th- I love it though I think it's great what you made with it I think I think I had confidence at that point like mm. I knew that you just keep doing variations and also mm. these like kind of detailed techniques once you can do them and they kind of in your body they get a whole other type of visual value than when you can just when you have just figured them out <laughs> yeah. kind of like blah, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. you know so that's I true do- that's true yeah you did it and you knew from the inside the experience of what that was going to be and you could see potential in there. And then I saw it for the first time from the outside. And I was just like, well, that's not really a thing. Right. But in my <laughs> mind, I knew like when I can do this distinctly in the flow of a pattern, uh, it's going to be cool. And it was. But So what was the move? So the move is you take a ring and you put it kind of like an aura around your face. Like you're looking through the you're ring. You're looking through the ring and it's hanging at kind of the the your hairline. Yeah. And you're looking through and then you take another ring and you hit the side so that you hit the side you of hit the backwards. ring. backwards. Yeah, or, backwards. Like yeah. against your ear kind of. Yeah. And then the ring that's that's around your face is going to flip, flip off, to, flip the off side. to the side. In the front, yeah. And meanwhile, that's flipping off. You can place, place the other ring the back other on the head. Up. And and yeah, that's that's the move. And you can do that crossingly, uncrossingly. Yeah, everything that I had done with balls and clubs, you could translate to this, basically. Well, if anybody wants to see that, that is in a Iceland documentary from 2009, I think, um, in the Black Sand Dunes. Um, it's on my YouTube. If you want to sift through about 1,500 videos, you can find it there. Cool. <laughs> I did not even know that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I now... Uh, when I'm when I'm doing this PhD, I have considered to kind of revisit these things and document them mm. properly. But right, yeah, we'll see. We'll, I I'd like to do that. But then you made so then you made just just to say I mean I mean you can you don't need to comment on this if it doesn't bring anything to you. But I I think it's fun to follow the process here. Mm-hmm. You made the head rolls and then you made some you know some acts with it, some performances. Then you did the chin swings and you had that show with a saxophone player. You had your premiere. And like the chin swings was a pretty good hit with the juggling community, at least. I mean, it was a sensation in the local crowd, man. I mean, people were freaking out. And then um, and then you did the the the, the rings and you, 
you put that into some sort of performance. I mean, you performed that on the... I did that on Shoebox Tour. On the tour, yeah, in yeah. Iceland and stuff. Yeah. Um, but did, did, did those, yeah, did those go anywhere else? Or was it, was it just more insider kind of... No, I was pretty dumb then. I thought that the ring stuff was... Well, I did one thing. At, for a very short time, I had like a little show. Oh. That was probably... I don't know, 15 minutes or something like that. That was like Bosk Rings and Clubs. That's cool. When I, and I did the three techniques. That's I, really cool. And I performed some version of that in Rencontre de Jonglage, I think, in their like gala thing. Okay. So I, and, but then I was just like, you know, there was, there, there's always been like so much other stuff going on in my life, you know, like mm. I'm doing, you know, producing the variety show in a theater and then that that takes a lot of time and i do some other things so it's been i think i i've been really selective you know in terms of where i put my efforts well that's what i was going to say i think as a juggler if i reflect on your your work versus mine or, or other people i know who juggle and who have this this you know have been doing it for many years I, I don't know anybody else who just has their ball thing, their club thing and their ring thing. And it's so narrowed down and so focused. And it reminds me of Michael Motion. You know, he's like, oh, I got my one stick piece. And I got my two stick piece and I got my hoop piece and I got my stick and hoop piece. And they're very discreet and they're singular and they're very iconic and they're very clear. It's a it's a clear focus. I mean, most jugglers, they just hippie around, man. And then you got like oh yeah, I kind of got some four ball, like little jam I do sometimes in the show. And then I'll, maybe I'll do some cigar boxes and then maybe, I, you know, like, and that's just constantly changing, but you definitely have like this iconic set of, of techniques that are just singular for each prop. And it seems like a very, in one way, limited. Is that a wrong impression I have? Like, do you have a bunch of just like... I think so. I think I did a lot of other juggling too. Maybe it's just that this is the stuff that you remember. Okay. And I also like... Okay. I never, you know, I never had like an act that I was performing with in a bunch of places. It was always like, I'm doing this performance now that I'm in. Like I did the Louisiana Circus in Finland in that jazz club. And then I had a, you know, a head roll piece in that zero, one, two, three, mm. two, one, zero balls. Mm. So I did that for a few years, you know, in, in Finland and France on, you know, very limited yeah. locations but that was still a thing mm. but you know how it is also with choreography like you have to remember that stuff and if you want to <laughs> do it again like oh yeah how did that one go and then you take out the video and yeah so th there's that limitation too i think gotcha um, well so when you did the rings did it confirm your process yeah i think it did i think it did well so what was after i mean so then okay great now you have this this really um uh, functional process or what do you want fruitful process yeah so what what did you do so what was next with that or was that the end no so there that's around the time when i was just because you had that epiphany of like head rolls oh if, what if i make the original kernel or seed yeah so did you learn something new from this process of the next step well the parallel to all this stuff is the juggling history oh okay because parallel to all the head roll and the chin swing and the ring hits and the cigar boxes, I was researching juggling history like very, very intensely. 
But just just for fun, not with any intention or like preconceived notion of, of... The intention was this, that I realized when I learned a little bit about juggling history, like, okay, we, I've asked you this a million times. You and Manu at Wintergarten yeah. when I came to visit, uh-huh. what is it, 06? 2004? No, 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 it can't be 2004. That's oh, 2007. 2007, yeah, there you seven, go. Yeah, yeah. 2007. I came to Berlin to go come see your show and like visit for like two days or something. It was not very long. Mm-hmm. And that was around the time you and Karl Heinz, we've talked about this on some other episode, I feel like. Okay. But anyways, <laughs> I came to Berlin. You said, hey, let's go see Karl Heinz. Yeah. Seethan, who is a jogging historian, the only jogging historian yeah. at the time, uh, at least that we know knew of. Yeah, um, yeah. So we went to see him, which was, I mean, incredible. And we got to flip through the books with him and to ask him. And I, I mean, I just discovered that whole world then. But the, the conclusion that I drew, drew from that experience in terms of this stuff mm. was that I came from several subcultures of extreme uh, nerd nerdiness. Okay. You know, like skateboarding, you can be extremely detailed and nerdy and like chronological and historic and about that. Like, oh, yeah, that trick that mm-hmm. Mark Gonzalez did down the seven step rail at okay. the Santa Barbara, blah, blah, blah. Okay. In the Shackle Me Not video from, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you can get so incredibly nerdy with that stuff. Yeah. And there are pl- plenty of people that are like that. Yeah. And there are people that, you know, collect, they have all the Slayer records. Mm. They have all the Slayer t-shirts. Mm. And they have all the, you know, plectrums from, <laughs> you know. I've been in so many subcultures that are like that. Okay. And I just realized when we were at Carl Heinz's house that there was a world like that. Of mm. information and of objects, of books, of films. And I didn't know of a single person in the juggling world that was a nerd about that hmm. in the same way as you could be a nerd about skateboard videos and Mark Gonzalez and Rodney Mullen and but for and sure that for skateboarding. For sure there were nerds in the juggling world who knew... Not in that area. Of the no, not in that world. area, but I just want to say in the juggling world about more contemporary sure, culture. Sure, like side swap. Or even just the IJA videotapes. Sure. Oh man, you know, Mark Faye did two under the leg throws in 1987 and Jamie Atkins won juniors and totally, he, he did totally. two chin rolls with the left hand. And I mean, that used to be me. Yeah. I used to know all those details, but I had no idea about anything before I started juggling. Right, right. Prior to, you know, 1985. I, but after 85, I could tell you how many, you know, whatever throws Anthony did <laughs> in, you know, 86 or whatever. Right. right? Um, but yeah, that's kind of funny. So I think, I think there is, there is definitely the predilection or like, like the, the, it attracts, I mean, juggling does attract those kind of people who are nerdy about things, but it just so happened that it wasn't about the, the, his, the history. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's which is. So I was just like, I was determined. I was just like, well, juggling is cool. Like there should be at least one guy who's super nerdy about that stuff. About the books, about, you know, Restelli and Bobby May and Cinquevalli and all these people that I started now to to hear about from Carl Heinz. Mm. So I was just like, there's got to be one person in the world who 
just not, they were also covered with, you know, juggling historical photographs and they have all the books and they have all the films. So they try their best to do all that stuff. So I was just like, well, I guess that has to be me then. But would you say Carl was nerdy about it or how would you position his? Well, Carl's, Carl is definitely knowledgeable, but he had also, you know, he had also been into it for freaking 40 years. Well, it was his life. It was his life, but he had later in his life, he had become so selective. Yeah. He threw out a lot of stuff. and That's true. That's not important. That's important. He had a very strong selective. But what I mean, what I mean to say to when I said it was his life is he's not nerdy about it because it was his life. Like it was just he lived through it. Whereas you, you can observe it and be nerdy about it and learn the facts and the dates. And for him, he just went to lunch. For you... <laughs> Oh, Carl met Chris Cremo on this day in April, and then he cut Chris's hair in this photo, and it's in that book, and yeah. it was reprinted here, and I don't know. Sure, yeah, you're you're right. You're, there's it's, a layer of Carl. removal that you have that you can observe from a different perspective than Carl. For Carl, he was just living his life. Totally, totally. So totally. yeah, no. So so that was that. That's the parallel to this to this juggling research is that I of of the techniques is that I like I also got into juggling history, and then I was just like, okay, well, I have to do this now. And I mean, I went to I went to Berlin every year for yeah. And you too, you know, in the beginning. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And there was a bunch of stuff like that. And, and I accumulated all the, a lot of the literature and videos and, and all of that. And there, there was a number of observations that connected to this uh, technical research. Okay. Do you, can you be specific about any or do you want to just leave it at that? No, no, no. I can be specific. I'm, I'm just trying to connect these two. Uh, these two. Uh, I get you. Um, and this is, and, and just to say, doing. this connection now it's leading to the next step in your process. I mean, you, the, the you did the three the three props. I mean, with the cigar boxes on the side, but then. Uh, I mean, exactly because you you're asking. So when you're done with the rings, yeah. Did you want to do it again? Like, what was the next What's step? The next step yeah. What's the next step? Because I could have been like, well, devil sticks, shaker cups, right, right, right. You know, hats or whatever, <laughs> right. right? Right, right, right. But so, so that's what's connected to this juggling history stuff. Because then it was just like, okay, there's you know, Harry Lind, there's Edward Van Wyck, who are these old club makers of wooden clubs, and there's Michael Cara and. Adolf Salerno, who had to, there was no, there was no tricks for them to learn. They had to invent their own tricks. There was no props for them to buy. They had to buy them or go to a craftsman and have them, you know, specifically commissioned. So then when I was, had done all this research on, on juggling technique, I was just like, well, what if I, what if there was a modern juggler now that had the process of Michael Cara or Salerno and had to like invent not only the props, but also build the props. And then what you're going to do with the props. So then oh. the, 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 the idea was that what if the research isn't a tri- a family of tricks with a club or a ball, what if it's the object itself that's the research? So hang on, you're going on different levels here. So with the head rolls, you saw, you know, Pat McGuire do the placement with the ball on the head, and then you go, oh, 
you know, with Villavalo, you're like, oh, you're missing four of the six tricks there. Like there's a family of tricks, so you're missing four of them. And then your next step is, oh, what if I invent that kernel of the putting the ball in the head and you get the chin swing? And then you go, yeah, that kind of worked once, but is that, maybe I got lucky. Is that a real thing? And then you do it again with the ring hits yeah. off the head. And then your next step is to say, well, I'm not just going to make up the kernel or the molecule or the embryo of the technique. I'm going to make the object itself. Exactly. <laughs> Wow. Okay. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. And that came from the history connection of observing these other people, these historical jugglers process of how, how they lived their life and how they made their work and being nerdy about history from meeting Carl and, and all the books. And yeah, exactly. Wow. And also like, I mean, it is relevant. It's very, you know, general, but I also had, you know, I was very interested in just conceptual art and just art history too with, I mean, very standard sculpture stuff and, you know, Giacometti or Picasso or even Klein, just very general references from, from, from uh, modern art that are, you know, not, they don't have specific connections. It's just that you see like, oh, there's a sculptor and mm -hmm. he has a studio and he's working on a block of wood. He's making things. He's making things. It's making not, objects. <laughs> it's not that much deeper than that, but it was, it's deep enough for me to make the connection that I could be that guy. <laughs> I could be uh, Giacometti. Yeah. And what if Giacometti had the experience that I had uh. with the juggling history and Adolf Salerno and Cinque Valli and he had the experience of creating these three techniques with the standardized juggling props. Right. You know, that's, that's the, the symbiosis of, of those things. That's wow. what I was into. Wow. Okay. That's pretty heavy. So, so what was your first step with that, man? I mean, that seems like a, pretty, yeah, that seems like a kind of overwhelming, uh, I mean, it makes sense. Like I, I can follow you along that, that lineage, that, you know, that, that narrative or that arc there. Yeah. But man, what a, what a, where do you even start with that? And what an overwhelming, I don't know. Well, and now we get into kind of like a little bit post-rationalizing territory. Sure, sure, sure. Because that was a very, up to this point, it was very concrete for me. Yeah. That was really a point that I did get to. Like, I'm not making any of this up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really like that. I was reading about Yves Klein and I was reading about Cinque, Cinque Valle, you know. Yeah. And I was, I had this experience with the head roll. So that was a very concrete point. But when I started, it was like, okay, I should make an object. I mean, at first, do you remember those like Rube Goldberg machines I used to do? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Well, we were into, because um, we went to Japan. Um, right. Uh, yeah. Pythagoras, which. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Pythagoras, which. Yeah. So that was, a, you know, super strong influence on me. The, the Yeah, just uh, chain reactions. Mm -hmm. And like you can make them from everyday objects, but you could also make just details in those chain reactions that could be manufactured by you. But I think also it was, it was, it wasn't just Pythagoras switch. It was that we went to Tokyo Hands and Tokyo Hands had a book with a DVD. And in the book, it was a little, it was all in Japanese, but it was like an instruction manual a little bit. Yeah. And it gave some sort of clue about making them. Totally. That was very, it was stronger than just like, oh, chain reactions. I mean, it was a little bit more deeper of like, here's a manual kind of, of how to make them. And that, that also fed into this whole, like, we're going to make things. Right, right. Mentality. I remember that. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, and also, like, at that time, I was working in a theater where I did, you know... We you had created, a workshop. 
there was a workshop there and I had access to tools and I was making performances there. And, and when I say making performances, I mean like building set design, yeah. doing like all the work that you do in a theater. Yeah. So I was very into this thing about building and, and making and stuff like that. So okay. that, so that was already established. Gotcha. Um, so, so when I was like, okay, I'm going to build my own juggling object. Didn't you and Oscar Wenger, you made some sort of commercial chopping an apple or something? Yeah, that was the Rube Goldberg uh, chain reaction machine. I did, so what I did, I made a chain reaction that me and Axel Adlerkreutz, oh, yeah, the magician, yeah. Yeah. we were going to use in some performance. And then right. around the same time, I got hired to do a uh, big like a literature award, I think. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they wanted this film on the wall, and the theme was apples because right. it's this, you know, knowledge, the yeah. apple of knowledge. Right, right. So then it was just like, well, can you make this this chain reaction machine? I forget what the task was. If it was to make a machine that chopped an apple or the, where you took a bite of an no, apple. No, no, it chopped the apple in half. I know, that's what I did, but I'm not oh, sure that okay. that was the task. I see, <laughs> I see. That's so then I, I I hired Oscar Vranja to film it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So there was that. Um, okay. So, yeah, you're starting to build a little world here of like making things and, and it's kind of converging on this moment of yes. this reflection. Yeah, yes. I get it. So then, yeah, again, like I had already, I had already branched from, you know, balls to clubs because I was like, well, I should... I should research a new concept. Well, mm. okay, the object should be different. Okay, and then I get, get into the rings. Well, the rings should be different. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the, the, so so then I was just like, okay, well, if I'm going to make a new object, it shouldn't just be a new object because anybody could just do that. It should also be conceptually new. Okay. And the, so the idea that I had in my mind was I was going to make an object that had a telescopic effect. So hang on, what do you mean, what do you, I mean, I know what you mean, but just clarify a little bit. What do you mean anybody could make a new object that had to be conceptually new? So what I mean by that is that in terms of a static shape, yeah, you could just carve out, instead of having a stick, you just take a stick that curves or... You could go to the forest and pick up a branch off the ground and exactly. be like... Exactly, you take shape. the letter A from the alphabet and you carve that out in wood and now you're new juggling shape. letter A, so it's ah, a new okay. shape. It's very so what did you mean conceptually? So I meant conceptually. I was just like, and you could do that however you want, right? Like, what's the concept? Well, it's a it's a static object. So conceptually new then means that it's a changes, dynamic. Changes shape. Uh, it changes shape. Okay. So the idea was to do a telescopic object. And what would what would be another concept just for fun? It, it changes color or it, yeah, it it changes, changes its... color, changes weight, changes the way uh, maybe it. It resists the air as it's falling down. Okay, okay. I don't know. Whatever. A shifting center of gravity. Yeah. Yeah. That okay. could be. That okay. Could be a new so you wanted to have a telescoping. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Because I had these sticks. I had these um, for the curtains. Oh, curtain rod. Curtain rod. You know, two sticks that yeah, yeah, slot yeah. into each other. Yeah. So I had those about a meter long. Yeah. So there's two sticks and they slot into each other. And they were very similar in di- diameter. Oh, yeah. So when you throw them and you kind of yeah, you throw them that. a little bit into <laughs> yeah. each other and you stand from a distance, it looks like the... the, sh- the it looks like the stick is getting longer and shorter. Exactly. And, and, and 
in the rhythm of a throw. It's so hard to describe, but when you see it, yeah, you never did. You showed me that it was genius, and you never, yeah, we, I never, we never did, did it. That. <laughs> that that's that was, um, yeah, that was a fun little thing. So I had that, and I was just like, oh man, this is really cool visually. Like, because the the so I just yeah. want to say, so it's yeah, it's two it's two pipes. One fits inside the other. And then you hold it as one pipe in each hand. But the thing is, when you... It, it sticks out a little bit. No, that's the thing. Because yeah. when you slide it in the throw, you actually have to catch it on the other side. Yeah. Because the one tube slides through the other. So it is some sort of juggling with two objects, but it looks like one object. And yeah. it's really cool technically. It's, a, it's an optical illusion. It has like a... It has a quality where like the visual is more than the, than the technique. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But anyway. Yeah. So I had that and I was like, yeah, this is going to be a thing. Like, it's going to be a dynamic object. Okay. And I was working Wait, wait, wait. Is that the te- was that the telescoping thing? Yeah. The, 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 the technique you showed me where they slide through each other? That, that was one of the things. Yeah. I was oh. just like, oh, I, I should... That's not really telescoping. This. Well... No, no, no. It, it plays with that idea, yeah. but not in the traditional sense right. of like, telescoping is normally like one direction and it's... I think I was, I think what I was thinking I would do instead of having two sticks, I would have three Uh all slot and there should be. Cool. Did you try that? I never tried that. Okay. You should try that. Maybe I should try (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason. And I think. Maybe it's a two person thing with three sticks. No, but like you (laughs) need four hands. Maybe. Because you'd have the free hand to, to, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Next show. Next show. (laughs) Yeah. But I think around the same time I found that little video of the nine cubes, uh, the moving the moving cubes and you also had the the what you call the moomin cube yep yeah which was the eight cubes i think the correct name i think they call it flexi cube okay or a magic cube yeah there's a bunch of names on that and you said i remember specifically you said it um, would be so cool to have one of these big, but big, big and you could roll, roll a ball, ball on, on it, it. yeah there you go. <laughs> and that I still want to do that. And we yeah. never did it. <laughs> yeah, we never did it. <laughs> Next show. So I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking, I had seen that video with the nine cubes. And I was thinking in my mind, like, no, that's where you should roll the ball. So hang you on. You should roll the ball on that. That would be cool. Hold up. Hold up. Mm-hmm. First of all, yeah. it was um, Tony Duncan and Jen Slaw. They had two cigar boxes and a stage ball. And they were rolling balls in those boxes. And that's when I, and I saw that. And there was a couple of like. There was a couple of cool moves on there that yeah. they that they had, yeah. um, but some of the moves I thought were also maybe not the most natural fit. I mean, it's just like a cigar box with a ball on the edge, so there is some sort of like uh, skill, I guess, to like keep the ball from falling off. Yeah. And I wasn't personally interested in the difficulty of it. Yeah. And my and I had uh, that moment where we, you know, uh, from Finland, this this cube, this toy that you call the magic cube or the flexi cube, which is made up of eight cubes that are connected that fold and unfold in like kind of a do nothing machine kind of thigmajigger puzzle constantly folding concept and i thought oh that would be much better to roll a ball on than cigar boxes because there's a there's a track like you can make like a little trough for the for the ball to roll in and it's constantly changing and and flipping over and i just thought it would be a natural pathway for the ball to move on that it just Mm. it writes itself it's like when you have a ball in a ring what you gonna do Oh, you throw the ball through the ring. <laughs> like it writes itself, right? Like it tells you what it wants to do. So that's when I thought, oh, this Moomin cube, we should make a one that's the scale of a stage ball. Because it, it, cause it's very small, right? Like I'd say the cubes are one inch square or cube yeah. on that. And um, yeah, so if you make one that's a scale of a stage ball, you could roll it, you could, you could fold it on that. It would just be like a natural thing to do. 
Um, but then what do you talk about the nine squares thing? Yeah, so the nine squares, that's just a two-dimensional pattern of, of cubes, nine cubes connected. Uh, so if someone wants to look that up on YouTube... Is, it, you is there a name? For, wobbling wall? Or yeah, wobbling wall. Yeah. Search for that. Wobbling wall, wobbling wall of cubes or like origami wall of cubes. Yeah, it's an origami thing. Originally well, or... I've been trying. I mean, I've worked my rear off to try to find the origin of that. The, okay. old, the oldest that I can find is a mathematician in the States called Ron Resch, mm-hmm. who in the 60s taped together like milk cartons okay. in that manner. And nice. I got, I got it to move. So he has an incredible film. He's unfortunately uh, passed away. Yeah. But they, if you search for paper and stick film. Yeah, it's great. That's... And, 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 but why did you think roll? So, so I was like, Hey, we should roll the ball on this Moomin cube. And then you said, no, no, no. It'd be better to roll the ball on the wobbling wall. Did you have some sort of idea? Well, cause you did. I remember cause you- when I saw that, that wobbling wall, I was like, ah, it's dynamic. It filled that criteria. Ah, so then I, I chucked away those sticks that I was playing. With. Idiot. Cause yeah. the sticks were cool. Well, <laughs> And it was also, and I had, at first it was just this, you know, this silly idea. You know, it wasn't big in the beginning. The project wasn't big. I hear you. It was just like you were saying now, like, oh, you should roll a ball on a movement cube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the same to me. Like, oh, yeah, I should roll a ball on that. <laughs> okay. Done. <laughs> and I was, since I was working in this theater where they have this uh, carpenter, set designer guy called John. Yeah who is just a genius and he is the, the thing that's so cool about John is that whatever he's going to do, whatever he sets himself out to do, he always tries to use the best possible technology and, mm. and way of making something that's mm. possible. Mm. So I was talking about this thing with him. Maybe I showed him that little video. I was just like, hey, John, like I want to connect cubes. Oh, the, you, saw, you showed him the wobbling wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to do, because I, I need them to be big like this. Okay, because you want to roll the ball on it. Exactly. Funny. And he was like, oh, man, I, if, if I was going to make cubes out of wood, I know exactly how I would make them. I would cut them at a 45 degree angle. That makes really beautiful cubes. But, uh, but you already knew, you went to him and said, I want to make this out of wood. Yeah. Cause you wanted to, it was paper in the video, but you wanted to put a ball on it. So you're like, well, if it's paper, it's going to get crushed. Yeah. That was the other thing. Like th- slowly I started to make like criteria for this stuff and that, that's Be- where beyond, kind beyond of... the criteria for the object beyond being dynamic. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. this is where the kind of the post rationalization, intuitive, conscious <laughs> yeah, yeah, part yeah, yeah. is a little bit blurry. Yeah. Yeah. But if I'm going to post rationalize, I would say that I want the object to, the object to be distinct. Mm-hmm. It can't be flimsy like paper. Okay. It has to be distinct in its movement and it has to be the same every time because I knew that from juggling. At some point I tried to make a yeah. juggling piece we talked about this with a lot. t-shirts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the t-shirts, they would just change shape. You had to have a hundred techniques, you know, for just one throw. Yeah. Because you never knew what shape the, the t-shirt should be in. Right. So it's just like, oh, th- I don't want to do this. And that's that's a thing with a lot of stuff in juggling. Like it has to be distinct if you want to be able to reach some kind of complexity of technique. Was the, was the, so, so it being distinct was a technical thing, not an aesthetic or a cultural thing. Back to your it study. It was both. Because, because then, cause that's relating back to this histo- historical investigation of 
of these old, of like Cinque Valley or whatever, and you're looking back and you're saying, I want an object that, um, well, whatever, go ahead. It was connected to that aesthetically yeah. and not just technically. Exactly. It was both. It was both. Yeah. Okay. Most aesthetically and technically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so then and 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 then like I was hired in this theater at this theater to make the set design for this little children's theater play, and in the in the play there was supposed to be these skyscrapers like miniature skyscrapers, and I remember John because John was kind of supervising me for that project he goes oh yeah we're gonna make those skyscrapers now we're gonna use that technique that I sh- that I was talking about for the boxes where we cut them forty five degrees okay. So then he explained that to me again. You're talking about the joints. The, no, I'm not talking about the joints. I'm just talking about how to make a cube out of wood. So instead of instead of having the 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 corners overlap, yeah, but like the that, corners that's the joint. I mean, you're talking to 45 degree cut, so they they make a 90 degree angle. Yes. Okay. okay. Just to yeah. Be clear. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So then I was just like, okay, for some reason that theater. Uh, set never happened i don't remember why it was never built but i never built that but anyways i decided to make those cubes i was yeah now i now i remember remember i was working at another theater as well where i was also the set guy okay and in that theater they had this little frame that was supposed to say uh, uh, a name on the frame and they could hold it up against their face and it would say their name and oh. they would take another frame and it would say another name. Oh. It was some little theater thing. That I see, did. I see. And I was going to build those frames and I was just like, well, I'm just going to build one frame and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this system so that there's this flap and you could flip around the names. Okay. So instead of changing the frame, you just change your grip and that changes the name on the frame. Okay. Uh, so I made this thing for the theater, and I used fabric for the hinge. Okay. For these flaps with the name, yeah, the name yeah, flaps. Yeah. So, in the back of my mind, I knew that I wanted to do this thing out of wood, this this uh, origami thing. Mm. So I was I was already thinking about fabric, combining fabric and wood. Gotcha. And in the frame for the theater, I put the fabric on the outside, and that worked, but it looked very crappy. Yeah. Yeah. But when so then when I went back and decided to build these cubes, I remembered the way that John told me to make those cubes, and it's a <laughs> forty-five degree cut. Yeah. And when you line up two cubes corner to corner, you'll see that cut go straight from cube to cube. Yeah. So I saw that you could just put a piece of fabric there. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So there, that's how that construction got you know yeah yeah how that evolved yeah how that evolved and then i made that structure and would you and then you rolled the ball (laughs) well i took the measurement from my hand so i could hold it and then i tried to hold the ball you take the measurement of your hand so you made it that measurement exactly so So i could grip it yeah but then i made i think i was also probably remembering the tony duncan thing there with the ball and cigar box that it was just like I didn't want that technique of trying to balance, balance it all. The, yeah, the skill involved there it's is kind like, of distracting. Yeah, I wasn't interested in that. Exactly. I just wanted the ball to be there. Exactly. So I drilled, that's why I drilled those holes. You put holes on each cube so that yeah. the ball would settle into each cube. And the idea then was to roll it from hole to hole yeah. in between. And the first one had tracks too. I remember, yeah. yeah. The one I brought to Japan. Yep. Remember? Yep. Yeah, so in the beginning, so I could roll a ball there, but. Yeah, I lost interest in that as soon as I discovered the way to to research the cube structure. 
instead of the tricks. So would you say that with these, and you first called these things ghost cubes when you, when you yeah. were making them, would you say then you kind of took a new path because this whole, this whole journey has been from researching, you know, your process of building technique. And you went from exploring a pre-existing technique to making a new technique to now making a new object. But you, did you, you didn't really go back and apply that same, you don't have six base patterns with the ghost cube is my point. No, but there are similarities. Okay. Because I really researched the cube structures with direct translations from the juggling tricks. Okay. So what I did with the juggling tricks is that I divided the, the, the like, okay, so putting a ball on the temple, mm. that's one component. A throw is another component. Gotcha. And then you mirror that on the other side of your head. You get the four, two, three with the with the balls on each temple. And that's going back again to going back and forth. Conceptualizing juggling instead of it being the 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 false shower. Exactly. We're, we're, yeah, I get yeah. it. Conceptualizing get it. juggling as as components. So you're conceptualizing this as a component, is what you're saying. Exactly. Gotcha. So that's what cracked all the cube stuff. Because I, just to say, uh, your first initial structure was this nine cubes of the wobbling wall and that could have just been the shape oh that's the shape yep. it's nine cubes it's like this done right totally but you conceptualize the components and then you could expand the architecture to different permutations of right uh, how to build is that what you're saying yeah in a way it's it's the it's back to the head rolls again because with the head rolls the experience was that uh that pat mcguire had you know three patterns and villavalo mm, had one i see and then i discovered the remaining two or yeah, three yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was just like i just filled in the gaps i got you and then when i had these nine cubes yeah. in a two-dimensional pattern uh -huh. and then there was this origami guy from germany called heinz strobel who has made a really beautiful little origami thing that you can look up called Maschine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. It's a three-dimensional uh, configuration of cubes. So I had that one too. And I was thinking, just like the head rolls, these cannot possibly be the only variations of cube cubes in a three-dimensional dynamic structure. Cool. Just like the head rolls could not possibly be the only nice. variations, right? Yeah, yeah. So I knew, I knew intuitively at that point, like there has to be more and there has to be a way to research this. And the key to all of that was to, again, look at the cubes as components mm -hmm. and not as entire yeah. systems, complex systems. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with the head rolls. You can't invent techniques like that from scratch. <laughs> right. Like, oh, yeah, I should throw and catch behind my neck at as the same place, time yeah, as I'm turn, placing yeah. two balls on my left temple yeah, yeah. and time the throw so that, you know, yeah. the fourth ball comes down. You can never research like that. Yeah, you yeah. have to break it down and you have to conceptualize. Mm. So I knew that by both, you know, intellectually and by I had done it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had done it with my first hands. hand experience. First hand experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so I, ju I just knew I mm. just have to find a way to research it, and that's when I bought the casino dice. Okay, so you, you started with this wobbling wall in wood, and you yeah. had the you had the cloth joint from the working at the workshop with that yeah. with that guy in the forty five degree angle, and once you knew there were components, then you said, "Hey, I have to." I have to combine these components. I have to research. I have to investigate how to construct these components. And then you had the presence of mind to be like, and the way to do that is not by making a bunch of wooden boxes with cloth joints. 
Because that was very labor intensive. I mean, that was a barrier. I already had a few dice because I was doing dice stacking. And when you're doing dice stacking, which is this technique of having mm, the tube dice on a table, and then you have a a, a tube. Well, it it has to be a. It can't be open. A tube, clo- like a glass. Yeah, but it yeah, has yeah. the oh, the I walls see saying, of the yeah. glass has to be straight. Yeah, and also if you make a. Um, stack if you stack the cubes on top of each other that stack has to be approximately the same height of the glass okay okay. or or the glass has to be a little bit taller is fine okay so there's a couple of details there for that to work but i had that because i've been working on that and i could do that I very see. well yeah, yeah so i was just like well i'll take i'll take those dice because they're yeah. already cubes they're you already perfect you don't need laser make, cut cubes and you don't need to make them out of wood and yeah i just i just i just want to say that the process of making the wooden the wooden versions was labor intensive. It was a barrier to oh, yeah. fast inter- fast iterations. And so you just had these dice laying around. You're like, oh, those are also cubes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So then I was just like, well, I just need more of these dice. So that oh, by this time, you know, eBay was the thing. So I just went on eBay and I go casino dice. And mm. then turns out you can buy them all from, in bulk from Vegas. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like Retired thou- dice. Yeah. Yeah. I bought like a thousand of them. Yeah. And then I just sat there and... and, and uh, Tape, tape them together tape them together and again just like with the head rolls the thing that cracked the whole thing was putting it into components the most simple components you can think of mm-hmm. two cubes or three cubes at the most and then you just repeat those repeat those structures structures just like you repeat juggling patterns and then and then once you found uh, a version with the dice that were taped together that you like then you made it out of the wood with the cloth yeah yeah okay and then at what point did you give up rolling the ball around? At this point, you were just like, well, making these new shapes is the thing rather than the ball rolling around it. Pretty quickly. Um, I mean, I had a few things, you know, the one and the ball is sits there and then it opens up and the ball is still there. It became more, I was just done with juggling technique at this point, like practicing when I knew I could <laughs> build stuff. Okay. I was just like, well, I'm, I'm going to take a, break from all this practicing and i'm gonna be you know work more on the sculptural side of things so gotcha maybe there are interesting things that you could do with balls and these things i mean the holes are still there Mm. but yeah i don't know okay yeah i mean i liked the piece i made with the with the wobbling wall and my metal i had a metal ball you gave me a cube right 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 how long how long did it did you spend with that Oh man, uh, a couple weeks or something. I mean, not long, but enough yeah. to find a couple moves that I was kind of happy with. It wasn't the the deepest. I mean, exploration for sure. Yeah, because I I had a couple of moves, and then some of them were tricky. And then it's like okay to get this consistent. I mean, I have mm. the experience with juggling. Like, I just saw the hours. You know? I think there's something. No, it's kind of funny. You're you're just researching juggling history. And then you're you're talking about Cinque Valley and you're like, oh, but these people made their own props and they and then they or they had craftsmen make their props and then they invested thousands of hours of practice and you were just like, Well, I'll make my own prop and then forget the practice part. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> Basically, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, maybe, but who knows? Maybe it's the coolest thing in the world, like when you can combine all of these things. But Oh, I, I think so. I think done it. Yeah. I think the potential's there. I mean, I'm I'm glad you took this this route with the ghost cube stuff, obviously it was very productive and it led to many new places, but I still think you can, I still think your process is available to go back with the technique on them. That's not, 
that's not like, uh, you know, um, that's not, in, you know, that's not like, that's not an option anymore. You can still go back and do that. So, yeah. Well, so I just want to say now that you, you're down this far with the ghost cube work, is there one next step that presents itself for future work that's obvious now to you? You made the, you, you used pre-existing technique, you made the new technique, now you made the new object. So conceptually, what's the, <laughs> you make the new world around the object or you... Yeah, I mean, the next step that was, you know, you zoom out once again and you're not a juggler anymore and you're a circus artist. And then you go, okay, what's what's the post-disciplinary circus? I mean, that that is the obvious next step. Uh, that, I mean, it's the art school thing, you know, like you don't go to any, any, any art school, at least in Sweden and around here, is you don't go to art school and you're a painter anymore. It's, it's just post-media. Yeah, you can do whatever you want, and then if you you use the medium that makes you the idea work, mm-hmm. yeah, and if that's film, if it's sound, if it's whatever, right, it doesn't matter, mm. and you could conceptualize a circus school in the same way that it's post disciplinary just like art school is post-medium. So you go to circus school and you say, hey, I have a new idea today, but I should do, oh, this idea is best for trapeze. Yeah, or not even. It's like you have to invent the discipline. I mean, someone invented trapeze. Someone invented, you know, aerial silk. Someone invented even juggling, you know? And you could start at that point also you... Yeah, I remember you have you have some sort of work that you where you found all these quote unquote lost disciplines of circus, and you have this list of how many yeah. is it? I mean, it's... yeah, extinct circus. Yeah, it's a lecture I do, where I I take out because since I'm into the archive thing, so I picked out like it's it's probably it's hundreds of pictures now of just stuff that you don't see anymore. Like what? People, it's a lot of the you know people riding in cars down ramps and <laughs> jumping out the car into a little bucket of water <laughs> like there's stuff like that but there's also like doing shadow theater but you know upside down using your feet mm. sound imitation we don't see that anymore mm. but that was on tv even when i was a kid mm. did you see any of that no no no. some guy who can whistle like all the birds oh, or okay. can imitate engines and imitate that used to be a thing like variety yeah. kind of like a ventriloquist mm. but like sound imitate imitator like mm. oh it sounds exactly like an airplane and people got stoked on that you know <laughs> right. you don't see that anymore <laughs> uh, right there's uh which is yeah, so yeah. hat artistry or whatever you want to trust <laughs> translate to so it's it's basically it's it's not a hat it's it's like if you have a very wide-brimmed hat and you cut out the dome, so yeah, you just have it's this... It's made of felt and it's yeah, very it's flexible. F- yeah, it's just a felt rim. Yeah. And with that thing, you can fold that in... Kind of like how you fold different napkins for... Yeah. For, uh, yeah you're doing an, and then you do impressions. And, and then, then you do you're... an impression. So you fold the thing and it looks like a pope and you put that on. And you're the pope for five seconds. And you yeah, fold, yeah. fold, 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 and you become a soldier. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was a thing that people used to be doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, sure. So there's... Yeah. Okay. So that's pretty crazy. So what you're saying is after you've made your own props, the next step conceptually is to make your own discipline, make your own genre or what you say post-discipline. Yeah, you could, that would be, if, if you want to follow the, this chrono- the line, yeah. chrono- chronology of yeah. what I set out here, the development, 
it certainly points in that direction. Uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's something that I, I think about conceptually. Maybe it's more about writing and thinking than doing. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in it, but, but yeah, we'll see. You're I, still in the ghost cube process now, so you don't have to worry about that just yet. I'm still there, yeah, and I'm trying to kind of summarize that. So okay, cool. Are you you good or want to, anything else you want to? Well, let's. How about next time uh, we can talk about later about post disciplinary circus and. Hey yeah. man, thanks so much for sharing all that. That was crazy. I didn't. That's like, that's real stuff, man. Cool.